today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Stuff happens in life that we have absolutely no control of, that we don't see coming, and we just wonder, wow, where is God in the midst of this? But you and I need to understand, no, God is faithful who has promised. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. God is faithful who promised that, man, he'll be with us always, that he will lead us, he will direct us. God is faithful who says, I will be your peace, I'll be your comfort. I'll be your strong tower and your fortress. You are not alone if you have ever asked yourself, where is God in the midst of this thing I'm going through? Today, Pastor David acknowledges this common cry amongst both believers and non-believers. He turns to scripture to show examples of times it seemed God was non-existent, but every time he proved to be faithful to his promise. If you believe the promises of scripture are for you today, then you can believe whatever trial you are facing, he will be faithful to the promise of his word. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Our Refuge. You know what, on a regular basis, I need to find myself back at the cross of Christ, knowing, hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Because the accuser comes continually, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He comes continually at us. And we can continually go back to the cross and say, you know what? Through the cross of Christ, I'm forgiven. Through the cross of Christ, I've been set free. Because my high priest died for me. And now I am free and I can move and live and I can, I'm not bound by these things because in his death came literally and truly my life. One other thing I want you to see before we leave this section. Again, I, I, I love Warren Wearsby. He's, he's just so easy to understand and he lays things out so plain, but he brings out something very interesting about the names of these refuge cities. Taking them in the order that they're listed in uh, chapter 20, beginning in verse 7 and also in verse 8, you have Kadesh. The, the meaning of Kadesh is righteousness. Shechem, the meaning of Shechem is shoulder, okay? Meaning of Shechem is shoulder. Hebron, the meaning of Hebron is fellowship. Bezer, meaning of Bezer is Fortress, or strong, okay? And then Ramoth, meaning of that is the heights, the heights. And again, as he states, uh, Hebrew scholars can disagree on what Golan means, but uh, one of the lexicons says that it means exile, exile, okay? 
And so he kind of puts it together and he says that these names then can be used really to describe the sinner's experience when we come to Christ, when we flee by faith to the refuge that's found in Christ. First of all, we run to Kedesh, to the righteousness of Christ. And we can never be accused again. I mean, we can be accused, but we're not found guilty because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, chapter 1. We also find safety and comfort in Shechem as Christ is our chief shepherd. He carries us on his shoulders. He, he gives us strength and, and guards us and watches over us and protects us. So the, the very shoulders of that great shepherd uh, we find comfort in. Speaks about through the cleansing of our sin, we can now find uh, fellowship, Hebron. We find fellowship with the Lord that we've never had before, never been able to have because our sin separated us from the holiness of God. But now through Christ, we can actually have Hebron. We can have fellowship with the Lord. Then the Lord becomes our bazer, our, our strength, our, our fortress. Jeremiah says he's our strength and our fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. It's Jeremiah 16, 19. So our bazar. And the reality is, is we're now seated in Ramoth, in the heights. You and I are seated. We are seated in the heights as God has literally raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter two speaks of that for us. And then lastly, uh, we're able to stand then with the faithful all through the ages uh, as the people of Golan, again, exiles from this world. This whole world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that all the faithful through the ages, they, they've died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And beloved, you and I need to have that attitude. We need to have that understanding that we're strangers. We're just pilgrims here. This is just, this is just temporary station. We're passing through. We're not going to be here uh, for all of eternity. My mom is here for 85 years, and you know she is now with the Lord for all of eternity, all of eternity. And that's, that's the rejoicing that we have in all of this, is that, man, this point, this time, the 85 years, great time as, as, as mom, as a woman, but but you know what? For all of eternity, she is part of the kingdom of God. She is, she is in the presence of the Lord. We are strangers. We are pilgrims here. We are exiles from this world. We don't, we, this world is not our home. And we see that in all of the names of the cities of refuge. What an amazing picture really is given to us by the Lord, by the Lord's justice and at the same time, the Lord's mercy being shown. And it's found in these cities of refuge. And again, you need to understand tonight, if you're here, you're not safe unless you are in that place of refuge. You are not safe because the accuser will again drag you down every chance that he gets. The accuser will come, what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And beloved, you need to be found in that place of refuge in your life. We now move into chapter 21. 
You need to know that each one of these six cities of refuge are actually part of the 48 cities that become uh, the cities of the tribe of Levi. So the tribe of Levi had 48 different cities. Six of those cities were the cities of refuge. The, the tribe of Levi, they didn't have their own territory like the, the tribe of Gad or Judah or Naphtali. No, they, they had cities. They had smaller areas. And their cities were scattered all over the nation. And, and again, that allowed Israel to have access to these priests. The tribe of Levi were the tribe of priests. They were, they were responsible for teaching the people of God the law of God. And remember, again, at that time, and, you know, they didn't have you know, Bibles. They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have that. They didn't have the opportunity. They couldn't go in and, and Google, you know, what, what is, you know, such, such, what does the word say about something? They didn't have it. They didn't have the opportunity. So God had planned, God had purposed that Levites, we don't want you all just in one place. We don't want you just to have to come one place to find what God is saying. God scattered the Levites all across the nation. So that again, not only could the people be taught the word, but also that the people would be without excuse. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, you did. Because the responsibility of the Levites were to make sure that the people knew. They were responsible for that. That was their job. And if you know, if you go into the book of Judges, you realize, okay, they blew that really quick after Joshua died. Pretty well messed that up. But that doesn't mean that that wasn't their responsibility. That's why God's design was not flawed. The, the people's faithfulness in following through on God's design, that's what was flawed. Amen? Yeah, for, for each of us, that's the reality and the truth. Look what it says in Joshua chapter 21. It says, then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. They spoke to them at Shiloh. In, uh, now, what's going on in Shiloh? You remember what's going on? The, the tabernacle is now placed in, in Shiloh. So this is where, you know, the, the, again, the, the center of worship was. So the Levites now came to them there at Shiloh in the land of Canaan saying, the Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the command of the Lord these cities and their common lands. Now, we could go on through verse four and, and start reading all of these lands and stuff. Oh, we're not gonna do that. You can take the opportunity to look at that on your own. But here basically is what the situation is. The, the Levites, again, they, they needed places to live. They had cattle, they had livestock, they had families. They needed a place to, in essence, call home. And so God, as we look through chapter 21, he assigned actually 48 different cities for them to live in, and along with a specific amount of, uh, of pasture land for them to be in. And so the pasture land, we find out, again, uh, actually looking back at the Pentateuch and Leviticus and also in Numbers, the pasture land that they were going to get could not be sold, but they could sell their houses. But then they also had the privilege of redeeming that property back again. 
these, uh, there's actually two lists of these Levitical cities. One that's found here in Joshua chapter 21. The other one's found in First Chronicles chapter 6. But if you go and look at these, you can say, well, these cities don't match these cities. And you wonder, well, why are those different cities? Well, there's a lot of different reasons why they could be names of the cities or spelling changes through the years. Could even be possible that, again, from time to time, different cities were selected or, or the old ones were abandoned and moved. The important thing was is that God's plan, God's purpose was, is that these cities would be scattered throughout the nation, 48 different ones. Each of the tribes of Israel, the 11 other tribes, they contributed four cities from their land area, except for Judah and Simeon. Together, they contributed nine. Naphtali contributed three. And uh, the descendants of Aaron, who were the tribe of Levi, Kohath, Kershon, and Mariah, they were assigned to these various cities, these different ones. And if we read through here, you'd get the names of the ones that, that were, again, appointed to different cities. And again, they had these cities, but along with the Levites, other Jews lived in these cities also. Back in Numbers chapter 26, uh, it says that there are 23,000 Levites that were within the nation of Israel just before they entered into the promised land. So you see, there was a pretty good group of them that were distributed between these 48 different cities. It's also important that uh, Israel, again, would have these men who were qualified, they were authorized men to be able to minister in the tabernacle, and they would take turns throughout the year. There would be lots that they would draw, and you know, at one time of the year, uh, the Levites from the city way north, they would come down, and they would minister at the tabernacle there in Shiloh, and they would do their weeks there, and then they would move on, and then other ones would come through. So there was this continual rotation around that was taking place. Again, as well as the fact that they had this teaching ministry within the areas that they were because their responsibility was to make sure that the people of God knew the word of God and the heart of God. That's what they were called to do. And again, as, as I shared earlier, uh, the common people didn't have scripture. So it was important for the Levites to identify with the people they weren't, you know, just up on some high hill. Hey, you want to find out? You got to go climb to the top of this hill and talk to the wise man. No, they lived among the people and they ministered the truth of God to the people. And again, these Levitical cities, they were located also kind of like these cities of refuge, not so far away from everyone, scattered all across the country that they could get to them fairly easy and the Levites could make, in essence, kind of around, like, like the circuit-riding preachers of the early days of our nation. Not every town and village was able to have a church, and so circuit-riding preachers would go and they would, they would minister one day or one week here and just kind of move around. The, the Levites were kind of the same way. They lived in their cities, but they made sure that the villages and the towns in the surrounding areas, they had the teaching of the Word of God, uh, again, so that no one, had excuse to help them to understand, help them to be able to apply God's word in their life. Now, again, as I said, I'm not going to read all of these. You can read them on your own. What I want you to do is skip down to verse 41 with me, if you would. Verse 41 says that all the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. And every one of these cities had its common land surrounding it. Thus were all these cities. So what's he saying there is you, you had the city, but then the Levites, they had their, their cattle, their livestock and stuff that they would take care of. And they would, they would farm the lands all around. 
Verse 43, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. You need to underline, if you underline your Bible, and as I say, if you don't underline your Bible, reach over and underline your neighbor's Bible. Verse 43, the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. The Lord was faithful in doing what he said he would do. And then verse 44, and the Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to the fathers. Again, underline that, according to all he had sworn to the fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them, and the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. And then verse 45, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. Yes, underline that, not a word had failed. The faithfulness of God to do what he accomplished or what he said that he would do. This whole section that we find here in the book of Joshua, again, it it just speaks to us these words of affirmation, these words of declaration that God is faithful who has promised. And that's the thing that you and I need to continually hold on to because let's face it, stuff happens in life. Stuff happens in life that we have absolutely no control of, that we don't see coming, And we're just wondering, wow, where is God in the midst of this? But you and I need to understand, no, God is faithful who has promised. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God is faithful who promised that, man, he'll be with us always, that he will lead us, he will direct us. God is faithful who says, I will be your peace. I'll be your comfort. I'll be your strong tower and your fortress. God is faithful. First thing we see there uh, in, in verse 43 God was faithful, and he gave Israel the land that he had promised to them. When did he promise that land to them? Just before they came across Jordan? Uh, While they were back in Egypt? No, way back, 400 plus years ago, the time of Abraham. Abraham, all that you see is yours and for your descendants. God had promised, God is faithful. But God, I want it now, right? I mean, you know, we're we're anxious people, aren't we? We want to have it right now. We're we're people who, you know, we get upset if there's four people in front of us in the drive-through. The microwave says, no, you got to do five minutes. Five minutes, I got to wait five minutes. You know, my wife and I, we like that 90 minute or 90 second rice stuff, you know, in the little bag. 90 seconds, man, you got rice and you're ready to go. We're we're anxious people like that. God's not in a hurry, but we are. You know, my my mom was in nursing care for for three months. And and in the midst of that, oh gosh, that seemed like so long. You know, day after day after day, hour after hour, and just kind of watching her there. And she's, she's not getting better. She's deteriorating. We're wondering, oh Lord, how long, how long, how long? Now on the backside of that, I think three months. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy that that was so quick. You see, in the midst of the trials that we have, man, you know, we wonder, oh God, where are you? When will you answer? When will you answer? God has a time. God has a purpose and God has a plan. And we've got a Timex and we're timing him. You know, uh, we're, we're concerned. We're worried about that rather than trusting and, and knowing, you know what? God is faithful. God will keep the covenant that he made. The covenant that he made to Abraham first back in Genesis chapter 12 and then to all of his descendants. The second thing we see in verse 44, 
God gave Israel victory over all of their enemies and he gave them rest from war. Now, some of you might say, yeah, but wait a minute. Some of those guys are still there in the land. They're still there. Why were they still there in the land? Because Israel wasn't faithful enough to go ahead and take care of them. One of the other things we find out, he told us, told them in Deuteronomy, he says, you know, I cannot clear all of the land immediately for you. And one of the reasons was, number one, you know, the care and the taking of the land. But the other thing is, man, they're going to forget about God. And he told them, you know, you're going to go in that land. You're going to find your peace. You're going to, you know, you're going to have your crops. You're going to have your houses. You're going to forget about me really quick because everything is fat and fine and, and you're sitting good and you don't need God. You know what? Sometimes we just need to go through some stuff to remind ourselves that we're not in control that we just have to trust in God because there's stuff that goes on in life that, that, that will take us by surprise. Stuff that will just continue on and on and on. You think, wow, I thought that I was over that. I thought that that was behind me. I thought that our family was through this thing. I thought that you know we were getting over this and yet it's still there. I believe that a whole lot of that stuff simply comes so that our dependence and our faith and our focus remains on God rather than, man, we're, we're good now. Thanks, God. We'll call you when we need you. Okay? And, and too many times... Uh, I don't know about you, but I know a guy that I see in the mirror on a regular basis that has done that way too many times in his life. Thanks God I got it from here. Rather than knowing that, hey, you know, no, it's everything, every hour need to be dependent upon him. You look back at those, the spies that went into the land, 10 of them came back and said, no, we can't take that land. We cannot take that land. And yet God was faithful to give them that land. God was faithful who had promised and he fulfilled his promise. The third thing, God keeps his promises. We see that in verse 45. At the close of the life of Joshua, he was going to remind the people of this very thing. We'll look at that in in chapter 23. But we also know that Solomon, years later, he reminded the people of the same thing in, in 1 Kings chapter 8, that God is faithful to keep his promises. And again, as a people of God, we can claim these things within our own lives. We can walk in these things in our lives. We, we need to believe it. We need to stand in it. We need to understand that even when the enemy comes and presses against us, that our God is faithful. God's promise to us, God's covenant with us is not going to fail. God's power, God's wisdom is going to give us victory over every foe when we continue to look and press on into him. How do I see the defeat of the enemy in my life? By keeping my eyes and my focus on Christ, by continually running the race, by laying aside every sin that so easily besets me and causes me to trip up and stumble in the race. I need to lay those things aside. I need to keep my focus and my eyes on Christ because he who promised is faithful to deliver. And that's where we need to be, folks. That's where we need to continually run. That's where Israel fell apart in everything. Once they got into the land, peace kind of got squared around. After a while, Joshua passed away. Then the elders that were with Joshua passed away. And what does the first passages, the first few words in the book of Judges declare? Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And I guarantee you, when, if we get to that way in our lives, we're going to fail. And we're going to fail miserably. And the enemy is going to rush in on us 
like a flood. When we start thinking in our own wisdom rather than trusting and knowing, you know what, our God is faithful. And it may not make sense to me right now, but I've got to trust him and I've got to keep moving forward with him. The covenant of God, the power of God, the promises of God, these are the spiritual resources that you and I have to depend upon, that we have to draw to, uh, again, as we continue to claim our inheritance as the children of God. Because our God is faithful who promised. Open our hearts, changes from within by the open word. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the book of Joshua next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now, here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the book of Joshua. That's next time on The Open Word.